at the moment. You own it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. You better lose yourself in the music. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes in a lifetime. Don't. <laughs> yeah, spit, spit. Harbaugh's spitting low key, honestly. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> what's more awkward? Uh that Harbaugh's Harbaugh rapping Eminem or uh Eminem on the uh the Notre Dame Michigan broadcast from 2013. That was Eminem reacting in the past to watching that TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how this time loop occurred, but that's what happened. We now know back in time. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even the drugs. It was it was just seeing both that TikTok exists. And that that's how it's being used. Yeah. Like Eminem doesn't look like he looks amazing for his age and it's not plastic surgery. It's that he keeps getting sent like, you know, world around in time so he can see uh, perversions of people doing his, you know, late nineties <laughs> classic raps. <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, I, I, I got, I was a, I was the type of kid that got uh, really into Eminem um, when I was a adolescent in like the early, or I guess like late 2000s, early 2010s. So you um, too are to white. Old... Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was going to say, yes. a white suburban we're all, kid we're, we're from Bucks County. Like... <laughs> we're all whites here. We all love uh, that is true. A, good, a, good, a good M and M. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, th- that's, that's awesome, man. Um, I, I forgot what I was going to say. I had something that, I, oh, I was going to say, um, I love how like all football coaches just have no sense of musical timing. Like None. the way that he's, music the moment you want it you better never let it go it's like just goes right into the next verse like without stopping at all it's like that's amazing like that's the you to just have no sense of like when when the it, like it's how not the song a lack actually, of rhythm it's an yeah. efficiency of words okay right exactly <laughs> yeah he's he doesn't have time for those breaks that make the song listenable um by the way if you uh were not on twitter or tiktok uh earlier today which is wednesday uh, as we record this, um, that was Jim Harbaugh rapping Lose Yourself during uh, an extensive layover, I think, uh, before uh, during Michigan's trip to, is it France this year? I don't even remember. Um, and uh, that was unearthed from uh, Jim Harbaugh's daughter's TikTok by a friend of the blog, uh, Taylor Fulton, a.k.a. Seltzer Mom, on Twitter. Um, so... There's that. There's a photo of Jim Harbaugh uh, swimming in the pool with his uh, shirt and hat on, which is tremendous. Um, and uh, he's just, I haven't seen that one yet. That's amazing. He's, he's the most dad person of all time. Like the uh, hat too is just perfect. Like you can't you can't not have the Michigan hat. Like what are you doing? Yeah, and there's just a brilliant TikTok from his daughter of his of Jim Harbaugh doing. Uh, many very dad-like things in the airport, including flipping through like an entire like double handful of passports. Um, <laughs> yeah, for all of his kids, for all of his 3,000 kids. <laughs> he's been giving birth. His, his wife's been, his various wives have been giving birth every nine months since 1998. <laughs> like, I just imagine Jim Harbaugh like explaining to everyone like, okay, like, no, no, you can't check a bag. It costs $35. Like, <laughs> even though he makes like millions of dollars a year, it's like they, they charge for that. Nope, you can't. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and, he, and you know he doesn't have United Club. He, he has one no. debit card. He's like, there are, like yeah. there are two distinctly different pictures of him up at like the front desk in like an animated conversation or in like the like dad hand on his hip pose. And you can just tell this this is a man who is totally in his element. Like this this is 
I mean, if Jim Harbaugh He's wasn't put efficiency. on earth to, yes, if he wasn't put on earth to coach football, it was to coordinate a ridiculously large trip uh, that has many, many, you know, organizational issues. Yeah. And, like, it- Jim Harbaugh, who's worth like, I don't know, God knows, like $40 million or something. It's like he's got his whole brood back there in like basic economy, not even economy plus. Like, you know, they're, they're like <laughs> rows like 45 and 46 are entirely the Harbaugh family. Uh, you know, he he, refuse, he refuses to let anyone get an in-flight drink because like, you know, it's going to spoil their dinner or something like just <laughs> I love I love how like each one of Harbaugh's children look exactly like him. Um, like uh, it's it's awesome. There's so many different kinds like like you have. The, there's so many different variations of Harbaugh offspring. You have uh, the theater Harbaugh, who is um, my age at Michigan. Um, you have uh, his son, you know, the football coach. It's like the, and then you have like, you know, obviously his kids. Like it's, it's amazing. Also, the the range of ages in his children is also just great. It's, he really like, he's just pumping them out. He's an absolute jackhammer. I mean, <laughs> indeed. he has described himself that way before, although not quite in that context. What was the? <laughs> I also just want to say, like, even though that Eminem, like that period of Eminem was a long time ago, it, it's still kind of like it, it amazes me a little bit that Jim Harbaugh even knows who Eminem is. And again, like not that Eminem is anything other than like at this point, quite an old rapper, but like Jim Harbaugh doesn't like. When is the last time like Jim Harbaugh saw a new movie? Like, may- I guess he did like American Sniper to stick it to the lips. Yeah, I, mean, I was gonna say American <laughs> Sniper in 2015. Like he before, watches every before that. I would guess Apollo 13. Yeah, exactly. Like that was. <laughs> oh, no, I, was, I was just gonna say like I, I remember the American Sniper incident, and I was like, that was the first thing I'm like, oh, this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be interesting. Like, this is not just gonna be <laughs> this is not gonna be smooth sailing in any way. <laughs> this is first first like day on the job. We've got like a campus wide controversy. His ho- his 49ers tenure didn't uh, tip you off that it might be a little wild. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Dan, Dan's too young to remember when he uh, like almost talked his way out of ever having the Michigan job by throwing some shade at general studies. Um, but uh, <laughs> I mean, he pissed well, off Mike enough, Hart. But... It was great. And, and also, well... yeah, uh, <laughs> it, everything he said was true. And uh, <laughs> it's that's the problem. Like, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> you can't say true things in college football anymore. Yeah. Um... <laughs> All right. So, uh, Welcome to the Bucket Problem, episode 48. <laughs> I'm your host, Ace Ambender. Uh, joining me today are Connor and Dan, whose voices you have uh, already heard. Uh, we are presented by Homefield Apparel and po- Homefield Apparel. Good God, I've only been saying that for 48 episodes. And PointsBet, and we are a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Um, we've got big moods to, to get to, although uh, I think the biggest mood was the one we opened the show with. Um, Mine is, uh, well, kind of news hidden as a big mood, but that's how we sometimes format the show. Uh, I'm pretty excited about the uh, Yusuf Kayak commitment to uh, the men's basketball team. He is, uh, we discussed him a little bit uh, in the last couple of weeks as the potential last piece of the roster, at least as we expect right now. Uh, Michigan has filled all 13 scholarships. Uh, Kayak is a... Wing, who's somewhere between 6'7 and 6'10, depending on where you look. He's probably not 6'10 because that's like the beginning of the YouTube highlight video claim. Um, and that's always one to look at um, with a jaundiced eye. But uh, he's got plus length. He's got good shooting form 
that results in kind of an iffy three-point shot, at least so far in his career, although that ticked up a bit in his most recent season. Um, really nice floater, kind of a, a good ability to get to the hoop, even when he's not getting by guys and finish. And somebody who can probably play either the three or the four at the college level. He's supposed to be a high-level instinctual defender. Uh, as we mentioned, it was last week. Um, yeah, if you're getting... I guess maybe slightly shorter Franz Wagner vibes from this, then um, you are correct. Uh, So he could be someone who potentially plays in year one. And what stands out to me about this roster is, I mean, in a sport where you don't have many sure things and Michigan doesn't have a lot of sure things beyond Hunter Dickinson on this team. um, They at least have a, a pretty encouraging amount of depth between um, Jalen Llewellyn coming in and being able to play either guard spot, Jet Howard coming in and being able to play either the two or the three, and also potentially be a lead ball handler, getting Joey Baker in as a transfer who can be a backup on the wing. You've got Isaiah Barnes coming off a red shirt. You've got Terrence Williams able to play two positions. You've got Will Cheddar able to potentially play either power forward or center. That might even be the case with Terrace Reed. Greg Glenn could potentially play small forward or power forward. You just got a lot of multi-positional players and also just a lot of lottery tickets um, in terms of, you know, hoping that players turn out Michigan can, you know, they're not going to have a 11, 12 player rotation, but hopefully once they whittle that down, they'll have a pretty quality big 10 rotation going. So um, excitement about the complete roster is my, uh, big mood of the week. Um, Connor, uh, let's, let's throw it to you and, and get a pretty, uh, um, polar opposite mood going here. <laughs> <sighs> so if you've listened to this pod for a while, you know, that I'm sort of the resident optimist, um, you know, which paid off last year as I rode Michigan in every single <laughs> matchup to a, to a picks win, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I tend to see things in a very rosy way regarding Michigan sports. Sometimes that can be maddening for others, uh, like Dan in particular, for which I will not apologize. But um, I will say right now I'm feeling pretty frustrated. Uh, I'm not going to belabor like Michigan's recruiting woes, and I'm certainly not going to go in depth about NIL, because if you want to read about that, you can go to literally any Michigan site. You can go on Twitter. Um, you know, the recruiting situation is rough. Like, I Michigan is still like Michigan's not going to have like the 37th ranked class in the country or whatever, when it's all said and done, they will do better than that. But I don't think it's going to be a great class. It's probably going to be, you know, one of, if not Harbaugh's worst class. Right. So that's how it's shaping up right now. Um, there is and- one Michigan uh, sports site that you can go to that does not mention NIL in any way whatsoever. <laughs> that's true it's called the bucket um, I, I finally broke and tweeted about nil today or i think i yeah, uh, damn. Uh, it's, i know i know it's 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 all encompassing like you we can't get away from it we have to we all love nil now we're talking about it we're <laughs> we, we can't stop talking about it we're, the we're standing the only around the water cooler that we all work at and we're talking you really are about, about name image and, and likeness <laughs> but have, have you heard about this have you heard about this nil this nil folks we're looking very strongly into nil uh, we're, we're, we're actually, talking fast like, we're pulling our uh, pants high up our waists and uh <laughs> And yeah, we have we have big old suspenders, and and we're smoking cigarettes, and we're we're talking about the rights of these athletes these days. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So I, again, it's, it's not a, even just about that. It's, it's not any one thing, right? It's not that like Michigan sort of screwed up recruiting momentum. It's not about NIL. It's not even, it's not about the transfer thing. Um, it's all of that together and sort of the broader context here, which is like, I am losing my mind watching Michigan go through another cycle of acting like no other good academic institution has serious sports. That is like just so objectively, clearly incorrect. Michigan has several like rival schools that, they, that they've played dozens of times throughout history, like Notre Dame and Wisconsin, that are also really good academic institutions with a very similar admissions to Michigan, right? Like Northwestern isn't really a big rival, but they are a, a Big Ten, you know, competitor. They have, again, also elite admissions. You have Duke and Stanford, um, you know, for crying out loud, as far as like elite schools that do other sports really well. Uh, I could keep going, but like, I, I think here's what kills me, right? Like there's something... <laughs> I'm going to say that there's something like deeply un-American about Michigan's strange approach to this, where they have to make all of this as hard as it can possibly be. The transfer thing is especially. Oh, I would call that deeply American, but keep going. Well, well, so, but like, that's the thing though, is that like, you know, I, I, it is anti-American in, in terms of its stated values. I will give you that. I mean, so the the analogy that I'm going to make here though, is just to basically say like, I don't think that like what, what Michigan does around this stuff, I think the transfer stuff is a really great example. It doesn't really resemble what other like snooty schools in the U.S. are doing. Mm. Um, it, it more reminds me of doing my first graduate degree at, at Cambridge in the U.K. and how every process just had this layer of like medieval self-satisfied inefficiency and irrationality around it to sort of like continue to underline that Cambridge was special and they were going to do things in the exact weird like pointlessly weird way that they'd always done it to sort of, you know, demonstrate to everyone that they, you know, didn't give a shit and were better than you and all of that stuff. There's like a strong strain of that at Michigan. And like it truly what Michigan does with this stuff about like, yeah, uh, you know, being so wary of NIL, having deeply weird transfer rules, all of that is just like, at this point, it looks entirely unique to Michigan. And again, like my undergrad was at Duke and you just don't like Duke is not a football power. I'll give you that. But like, you just don't hear about these problems for Duke basketball. You just don't like they figure out a way to solve the problem. And so like, I, I think what's, you know, it's like un-American about it. It's just like this reluctance to solve the problem in a way that gets you the objective that you say you want. Like that just seems like very, like it, it reminds me of, yeah, these sort of like old world institutions that go back a thousand years. I don't get it. It's infuriating. Please stop doing it. Like, just stop. That's what I want Michigan to do. Just please stop doing this. I want to say that I both, uh, I fully agree with you. And I also commend you for walking an incredible tightrope of uh, mentioning that you attended Cambridge and Duke and accusing somebody (laughs) else of being snooty. I, I did that just to, just to establish my point, which is like I have credibility. Like I know you what do. No, institutions you are like. Oh, well, yeah, well, that's one thing you definitely established. You, you definitely have credibility, Connor. Uh, so, so by the that way, is, is that why? By the way, this is all why Connor talks the way that he does and uses such big words. Um, Michigan, where Ace and I graduated from, that's the people's Ivy. Okay, um, Cambridge. I'm assuming that's an Ivy League school. Don't know where it is or what it, what it's about. Um, Duke, England, also man. assuming that's I. I know that there's Ivy. I, I visited there um, when I was uh, doing my college tours. Wasn't for me. Too snooty. Um, that's why I went to the University of Michigan, the people school that is, you know, buying for the people. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And I just want Michigan to embody that in like how it approaches sports and like rules around sports. That's really all I'm asking for is for Michigan wouldn't, to just. Yeah. Wouldn't you say that as, as a public university, the public is best best served knowing that uh, their football team is is following every rule to the T? <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> because I think it would be disingenuous to uh, do, you know, to, to, to knowingly break rules, Connor, and then allow us to, you know, see an actual good football team. I, I, I for one, would rather <laughs> lose with dignity. It's true. Uh, I anyway, like... no, I don't, I'm, 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 I'm going to cut off the riff right now because I truly do not like, I'm, I know it's bad and IL sucks. I'm, I don't want to talk about it anymore. It just makes <laughs> me more mad. No, I don't want to talk about it either, man. Like that's why I tried to like avoid details, but it's just I know, I know. all of, yeah. I just want Michigan to stop. Please just stop. And just like, it's it, yeah. a little bit of like optimism here. The, one of the reasons that it's so frustrating and I swear like this up three episodes, we, we have to go without saying the word on IL. Um, after this, but one of the reasons that it's so frustrating is that I know they're going to do it eventually, you know, like they're going to give up. You Like Michigan's not going to sit here and they've got their recruiting classes in like the fifties right now. Like they're not going to just do that. You know, that's yeah. not going to be what this program becomes too many people are making too much money off this football team to allow it to just disintegrate because Michigan doesn't want to play the NIL game that every other school is playing. It's very, very silly. And they're going to crack. They're going to like bow to pressure eventually. They're just like taking their sweet time with it. Like we're going to sacrifice a recruiting class to, you know, the rules gods. And that's what's going to happen. And then they're going to realize they have to do it. And they're going to do it half-assedly and a little bit less than everyone else. And we're going to go back to recruiting in the 10 to 15 range like we always have. And it's we're going to do that until eternity. But for right now, right in this very moment, we have to act like we're we're following all the rules for, for all that gets us. So, again, it's we, we that's that's the last thing I'll say about it for at least a couple of weeks. But by making that sacrifice to the rules gods, maybe we'll beat Ohio State uh, in another 10 years. So, you know, that'll be great. <laughs> right. And Wait. I think we I think for, for us, like we all enjoyed like the last like 10 years. It was good. I thought yes. it was I thought it, I had fun with it. So you know. uh, absolutely was... worth the uh, the rules sacrifices of, of your. There was just so how... much dignity in that decade. I, you know. <laughs> I mean, how many Big Ten titles is our Big Ten title worth now that we uh, since we followed all the rules, you know? Oh, that's worth at least three. Well, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, dignity and in defeat, um, Dan. Uh, oh, first we got to get your big boot. I was gonna, I was gonna throw it to your wide receiver rankings, but uh, um, first you gotta talk about the process of those rankings a little bit. Yeah. Um. So my big boot is uh, I set out this off season to um to do like an in-depth ranking of every position group in the big 10. Um, and I've gotten through all the offensive ones and it was really rewarding and fun. And I've had a good time with it. Um, I don't really mind doing the work. I had a little bit of a delay in the middle, um, you know, dealing with some stuff. Uh, and I, I appreciate all, I did want to say, by the way, this is a total aside, but um, you know, people that follow me on Twitter know that I was having um, going through some stuff over the past couple of weeks. And I got a lot of really nice DMS and I, I really do appreciate that. So thank you. Um, but back to my big mood. Um, you know, I, it took me a really long time and I, I set out at the beginning to do, um, you know, to try to like make a, a, a position ranking that wasn't just like kind of the, the standard fare of position preseason proje- position projections is kind of like, oh, let's just sort of rank like each receiver by yards, each returning receiver by yards. And then like, okay, fine. Like, you know, go down the list and, and maybe we make a, a couple adjustments here and there. Um, I really wanted to go through and like figure out who is, who are the actual best returning players, not just based on a returning production. Um, and I got to say bad idea. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's much, it's much better to just do what other people do and uh, put like a com- completely half asset um, and just go based on the stats from last year. Um, it is not a good idea to try to do this. It takes way too long. 
Uh, and I have a new respect for, you know, people that actually have to write on deadline and, uh, and don't have a, a boss that is, is very flexible with when, when these rankings can get done. Um, so hats off to uh, all of the 24 seven writers, I guess, uh, that are, you know, putting together pretty lackadaisical <laughs> rankings. That's way more bang for your buck than, than what I'm doing here. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Respect to the slideshows, I guess. Um, and, and with that, we'll, uh, we'll get right to it. We've got Dan's wide receiver rankings here. Um, we will, as per usual, start from the bottom, move towards the top. Just to mention a few of the uh, significant names that won't be on this list because they are off to the NFL. Um, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. Uh, they will not be missed. Um, Jahan Dotson of Penn State. Ditto. Uh, David Bell from Purdue. Uh, pretty big loss for that passing game. Uh, Samori Torre of Nebraska, their leading receiver. And Bo Melton of Rutgers, kind of the one really interesting player in that offense who was not a weird converted quarterback. Um, so yeah, uh, some significant losses. Um, Michigan only really lost Dalen Baldwin, um, unless you want to count uh, Mike Sainer still potentially moving to the secondary, but that was, that was about it. Um, Dan, take it away. So at number 14, um, and to remind everyone of the methodology, these teams either have two or three wide receivers based on, you know, returning snaps and how much they utilize the position or whatever. Um, Wisconsin, can you guess how many receivers they have? It's two. Um, they do not have three receivers. Yeah. Um, they barely have <laughs> They barely have two. I'll be honest with you. They barely have one. Wow. Um, we've got uh, uh, I'm got Chimere, Chimere DK. Um, I am – I'll start. Chimere DK uh, is their number one receiver. Um, I have him at the 26th best receiver out of 34 – um, he, a lot of Wisconsin fans seem really high on him. Uh, he made a, you'll remember him from making a couple of plays against Michigan, pretty promising. He was a freshman, but he was not good last year. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he, he really just generally like was not targeted very much. Didn't catch many of his re receptions and only converted at like an average clip and didn't catch many touchdowns. Didn't do much with the ball after the catch. Um, nothing really to see here. Uh, gotta, gotta say, I mean, look, he was a freshman, so you can get a lot better, but if that's your number one guy, that's pretty bleak. Um, so that's why Wisconsin's at number 14. Um, and Wisconsin's second receiver is, is Keontes Lewis, a transfer from UCLA who did not catch one ball last year. And I gotta say, that's pretty impressive. Like that's their re receiver with the most returning snaps. Um, they have, he has, he, he got 79 snaps at UCLA last year. Um, and that's literally the second best receiver Wisconsin has in their roster by uh, experience. Um, a 3% yeah. target rate. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. 3% <laughs> target rate targeted twice. Um, and, I, I get the uh, feeling you know, he's not getting open ball. very often. Yeah, no, probably not. Um, so ultimately, uh, <laughs> ultimately I, I just got a campaign text message from John Fetterman since I'm in Pennsylvania. It was, <laughs> it was like, it was very explicit and like profanity laden. He's uh he's the best. Um, anyway, uh, Keontes Lewis, <laughs> Keontes Lewis, uh, is, um, it, it, it is the only receiver on this list that did not catch a single ball last year. He's Wisconsin's wide receiver too. This is a really bad group. Um, on top of that, Wisconsin has not recruited this position very well because why would you go to Wisconsin if you're a good receiver? Uh, they only really have nine scholarship players. They, they lost a ton from last year. This is going to be a rough receiver room. Wisconsin is going to be running the ball a lot as per usual. Um, any thoughts, comments, concerns on Wisconsin? I, I just want to say in defense of these guys, uh, 
they do have a quarterback who was a five-star recruit, but then pulled Markel Fultz and like forgot at least briefly how to play his sport. So, you know, so, pulled, some pulled leeway what? there. What's that? Like Markel Fultz. The, uh... <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I don't think Dan's I'm not playing sure what you're talking about, actually. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, Dan. Look, the jury's still out on whether he or Jason Tatum was the right pick. Okay? <laughs> we're going we're gonna to wait on that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like genuinely laughing harder than I ever have on this show. That was great. <laughs> oh man, yeah, no, good. Glad it was good for you guys. <laughs> uh, I can actually laugh as a Pistons fan now. This feels good. Okay, let's calm down. <laughs> um, there. Uh, yeah, sorry. What? What? Yeah, though. I mean, it's it's a bad quarterback. But look, I, I've got news for you guys. Like it, the rest of the big 10 is not um, killing the game on quarterbacks. And uh, these are some pretty bad numbers. That's, so. That is fair. Also fair enough. <laughs> uh, moving on up the list, Indiana at number 13, um, Indiana has three receivers. Uh, none of them are very good. Um, let me just filter my handy dandy spreadsheet here. Um, they have Emery Simmons is their wide receiver. One, uh, Really not very – I have him as the 23rd best receiver out of uh, 34. Um, Not targeted very much. uh, Didn't do much with the targets. He caught less than half of them. Decent yards per target number. He had almost 10 yards per target. But, like, again, you're catching, like, less than 50% of them. Like, that's probably a couple big plays. Um, Pretty good with the ball in his hands, but just not enough to really make him stand out. Uh, Then they've got Javon Swinton, who I have as the 31st best receiver out of 34. Um, Really, really bad across the board. I just, I'm sorry, Javon Swinton. None of this is very good. <laughs> um, and then uh, Malachi Holt Bennett, uh, who I have is the 32nd best receiver. Um, had a catch. 32nd best receiver to 34. Um, he had exactly. He actually uh, had exactly one catch, but it was for a touchdown. Um, so you know that's pretty good. Um, he, uh, yeah, no, I mean it, it. Really, really minimal snaps. I mean. Indiana is losing a lot. Like they have three receivers on this list um, and they lost a ton from receiver last year. I think, you know, they lost uh, uh Fry Fogel, right? He's not coming back. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing here. And these guys were all the guys behind Fry Fogel and that offense wasn't very good. And, you know, the quarterback situation was bad for them as well. But again, there's a lot of bad quarterbacks in the big 10 and, and none of them were really as bad as, uh, as bad as this. So um, again, not much to say here. This is just a pretty bleak group. Um, Indiana has overall, they've recruited the position fine. They have 10 scholarship players. They've uh, with an average, you know, of like kind of a high three star, it's pretty good for Indiana. Um, so maybe some guys will step up, but given what they've got here, it's like, there's just nothing really to put them above uh, 13th in the conference. Well, at least uh, they have a new offensive coordinator and I say right. that seriously. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Um. Up next at number twelve, Iowa. So this is really pushing the upper limits of where Iowa's allowed to be in the uh, in, <laughs> in, any in these offensive, offensive rankings. rankings. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, wow, yeah, yeah, I know it's it's Iowa at twelve. I'm like, damn, for you guys, you know, um, they got tight end locked down though. Uh, no, at number one receiver Keegan Johnson. I have him at uh, the twenty first best receiver um, out of the entire league. Uh, pretty average. He was targeted a lot, so he's getting an, he's getting open at a good clip. Um, seven yards per target. That's actually pretty good considering like Iowa's offense in general. Um, only caught two touchdowns. He did pretty well with the ball in his hands after the catch. Um, generally, like if this was your wide receiver two, you'd feel pretty good, but it is not. It is your wide receiver one. Um, 18 catches wide- on 50 targets is alarming. 
Yeah. Yeah. Not. Yeah. That's really bad. I, I should have said that. So he's getting open a lot. He's getting targeted a lot, but he is not catching those balls. Um, but they are being thrown by uh, by by Spencer Petrus. So you know we have to take everything with a grain of salt here. And sometimes um, Alex Padilla. <laughs> and sometimes Alex Padilla. Uh, Nico, Nico Regani is their second guy. Um, they lost a transfer. They lost two transfers to Purdue actually, which is not where you want to be as a program. <laughs> um, but <laughs> he's, he's gonna be their second guy. Um, he played a lot last year, which is about the best that you can say. Um, he was not very good. Um, he caught more of his balls, but he got open less and, uh, only caught one touchdown on like, I think he had. 48 targets. That's really bad. Um, and did not do a lot with the ball in his hands afterwards. Uh, just, yeah. Like again, if either of these guys were your wide receiver two and three, that would be fine. But, um, you know, not where you want to be as your wide receiver one. Um, you know, Iowa's offense doesn't, uh, feature receivers in any way. So, you know, it kind of fits. They only have um, six scholarship receivers. Wow. Yeah. So like I said, they, they lost, I was just going to get to that. They lost two uh, scholarship receivers to Purdue. Um, again, not great. And, uh, they've recruited the position actually. Okay. Uh, for the, you know, within the context of the conference, but only having six receivers, like, and then the two that you, you know, know are returning are bad. That's just does not leave a lot of room to go upwards. And honestly, like I'm looking at it now, probably could have put them lower on this list. I would probably be a little bit generous. This is like when the video game adds two walk-ons to your roster who are like 48 (laughs) overall. And you're like, damn it. I'm never going to use these guys, but I should have been, uh, been paying closer attention. I I was going to say, Dan, I don't get why you would target a receiver down the field when you can throw it to an H back who's standing half a yard from the line of scrimmage. Like I don't, you know, when you have that option available to you, why would you look downfield? I don't get it. That's true. We're going to get to yeah. the next position preview, and there's going to be eight scholarship tight ends out on the field for, for Iowa. It's going to be like, oh, okay, never mind. They're fine. Yeah, they've, they've got it. Told, they've got this offense thing figured out. Um, next up on the list at number eleven, Illinois. Um, Illinois has uh, two <clears throat> uh, two wide receivers on this list. Um, number one coming in at fifteenth, so about middle of the pack, Isaiah Williams. Formerly a pretty high uh, uh, heralded rec- heralded recruit, uh, graded out pretty well, and a quarterback. Yeah, right. So that's your number one receiver, um, and that's why you're at number eleven. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> graded out pretty well for PFF. He was getting open a lot. He was targeted twenty five percent of the time. Um, caught a good amount of those, but it was all really, really close to the line of scrimmage. His ab- average depth of target was really low. Um, so kind of like this paints the picture of a guy that's getting a lot of like swing passes, screens, stuff like that, and uh, doing pretty okay with them, um, converting them, you know, to, he had four touchdowns, which is pretty decent. Um, did okay uh, with uh, yards after the catch. Um, but, you know, overall, like this is a guy that is at least getting open. Um, he's fast. He's shifty. Um, he might not be a huge downfield threat, but you know, he's, he serves as like an outlet for uh, Illinois' pretty run-heavy offense. Um, second guy, Casey Washington. I have him at 28 out of 34. Um, not very good. Uh, not targeted almost at all. Um, did not catch any touchdowns. Inefficient. Um, yeah, d- not great. But again, Illinois' second receiver is a re- very run-heavy offense. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like they have anyone to really go down the field, uh, which is kind of a problem considering you want to be like a power running team. 
Um, so th- this this offense will definitely struggle this year. But Isaiah Williams is at least okay. Um, he's a he's like you know a fun gadget player. Yeah, it's funny to see the drop off between uh, like he puts up decent numbers, but clearly in a pretty uh, you know kind of funky gadget role with that eight point four average depth of target, and then you go to Washington who's got like a real wide receivers average depth of target and just completely drops off a cliff in terms of effectiveness. Uh, Right. And again, we're talking Art Sitkowski. So, you know, (laughs) yes, we're talking Art Sitkowski in a a Burt Bielema offense. That's a, it's a real tough situation for those receivers. I hope they they have an okay year. (laughs) We hate to see that. (laughs) Um, Moving on up. uh, Oh, and then as, as far as the position overall for Illinois, um, they do have 11 scholarship players. Um, they haven't recruited this vision well at all um, in terms of like their average talent ranking, but you got 11 guys. You, you don't use receivers as much. Hopefully some guys can step up. There's some room to, to go up a little bit here, but it's probably not going to be anything resembling good. Um, at number 10, we have Rutgers. Uh, not wide receiver one, Sean Ryan. Um, I have him ranked 14th. So just above Isaiah Williams. Um Pretty good. Uh, I would say this, this this is the line where you get into like pretty decent receivers. He graded out pretty well for PFF. Um, he wasn't targeted very much, uh, but that's can be kind of a a you know effect of the offense. But when he was targeted, he um, he had ten point he had over ten yards per target and had three touchdowns on uh, twenty five receptions. So kind of paints the picture of like a, a downfield target in so far as Rutgers can have anything that, you know, you can call a downfield target, um, you know, pretty, pretty efficient overall caught 64% of his targets. Um, yeah, no, like, I mean, I, I think he's a guy that is probably not getting open very much, but is, you know, overall pretty efficient in terms of the explosion that he generates uh, when he actually does get the ball uh, wide receiver two, Shameen Jones. I have at 25th. Um, best thing you can say about him is that he was targeted a good amount. So he's getting open. Um, but his yards per target is under six, which is really, really bad. And he did not catch any touchdowns. So, uh, again, like this is a bad wide receiver too. Um, not a great group overall for Rutgers, but I think that, you know, they're returning basically everything and they do have 14 scholarship wide receivers, which is a ton Wow. So I don't know. I feel, I feel pretty, more even though they have literally recruited, <laughs> yeah, more than double Iowa's and the, it is the worst recruiting in the league by a very good margin. Um, they have an average of under 85 on the, for, for a two twenty four seven ranking, which is, that's honestly really impressive. Like you can't, yeah. there are very few re, re, like recruits that are under 85. Um, so <laughs> overall, like, this isn't, you know, they, they've got a lot of players and Sean Ryan is okay. Um, and that's the best thing you can say about Rutgers. Yeah. That's yeah, like I, late Mark D'Antonio backfilling a class recruiting territory. That's, that's brutal. That's like every yeah. receiver is like the Dom, the Dom Jadis of receivers <laughs> in New Jersey. <laughs> Even Dom, well, except for we're Michigan. So when we take Dom Jadis, he gets bumped up to an 86. So it's, exactly. it's not that's that big true. of a deal. <laughs> yeah, so they, should, they should try having more subscribers on 24-7. That's what Very I think. Very true. <laughs> uh, number nine, Northwestern. Um, so Northwestern has uh, Malik Washington, who is pretty good. Yeah, um, he's good. Graded out. Yeah, graded out pretty well. I have him as the tenth best receiver in the league. Um, I have he had sixty-one targets, uh, so you know, getting open a lot. He was targeted twenty percent of the time. He's on the field. 
caught 70% of them, which is really good, and converted it at uh, almost 10 yards per target. Um, didn't catch many touchdowns because on the smaller side, so not really a jump ball guy. But, like, overall, getting open, catching balls, and um, uh, also doing a pretty good job after the catch. I, I can so, think of other uh, reasons why he didn't catch a lot of touchdowns that were not his fault. <laughs> <Yeah>. These are <laughs> yeah, wildly impressive numbers given the context. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, <laughs> stunning numbers. Yeah, Malik Washington, if he ever, like, transfers, will be, like, when Goku takes off, like, the weighted vest or whatever. Um, I didn't watch Dragon Ball Z, so I'm not sure if that's how that goes. Neither did but, I. But, yeah, it's he takes off the weighted vest and, like, is is incredible. So, yeah, that that weighted vest is, um, is uh, like, Ryan Holinsky. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, second guy, Bryce Kurtz. Um, this is where the Optimus men's for, for Northwestern. I have him as a, at 30th. Um, he is just not very good. Um, he was targeted a lot, so could be getting open or also could just be, you know, Ryan Holinsky throwing the ball somewhere. Um, didn't catch a lot of it, was under six yards per target, so just very inefficient. Um, didn't catch any touchdowns, didn't really generate generate anything after the catch. Um, I think was, Northwestern did have a good second receiver that transferred somewhere. Um, uh, you know, we'd have to ask our friend Ben. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think – Malik Washington is good enough to like, he's, he's the 10th best receiver in the league, which is pretty good on this list. He's good enough to bump them up over like the full teams, um, but they just don't have a second option and they have not recruited this position well at all. And they're losing a ton. So Stephon um, not Robinson a good Jr. Was that other receiver, by the way? Correct. Yeah. No. And do where did he go? Do you have any idea? Uh, I don't know. He was a senior last year, so he might've oh, yeah, either had a free maybe year the or he might be in the league. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, okay. Awesome. So yeah, Northwestern, uh, that's, that's one, that's one, uh, wep- offensive weapon and, um, you know, that's better than it could be, <laughs> um, moving on up the list here at number eight. So kind of finishing off the, the bottom half here, uh, Minnesota, uh, kind of a, my, how the mighty have fallen type situation. They, um, I mean, Minnesota just a couple of years ago had like one of the greatest, uh, receiver rooms in, you know, program history. Um, the, the guy that they were really looking to step up after uh, those two guys left was Chris Altman Bell. And he's been a bit of a disappointment. Um, I have him as the 17th best receiver in the league, which might be lower than a lot of people would have him. Uh, but he just wasn't like overly, you know, he wasn't overly um, dominant in any one area. He was targeted an absolute ton, which means he was, you know, probably getting open a lot. Um, but he only caught like he caught under 60% of his targets and he had under nine yards per target. Um, he did have six touchdowns, which is pretty good. Uh, but just overall, like he's he's a really solid option. But I don't think like it, no part of his game really blew me away last year. And you know, Tanner Morgan is not a great quarterback, but he's good enough that you should be catching more than sixty percent of your targets. Um, their number two guy, Michael Brown Stevens, I have as the twentieth best uh, wide receiver in the league. Um, not targeted a lot, but did convert, uh, over 10 yards per target, which is pretty much the, the reason that he's being, you know, buoyed above, uh, some of the, you know, truly bad receivers in the league. Um, a lot more of a downfield threat, um, which, you know, is, is good. I think Chris Altman Bell is, is more comfortable out of the slot. Um, and their number three guy, uh, Daniel Jackson, who I have at 27th in the league, um, graded out pretty well and was targeted a lot, but, uh, had under 5.5 yards per target, which is really, really bad and didn't do a lot of the catch. So seems like he's more of like a, a screen guy um, that's not catching a lot of those and not doing a lot with them. Um, but, you know, I, I think that there's 
enough here that you've got like a, a decent wide receiver room. And if Chris Altman Bell, who I, I think was injured last year, could get back up to, you know, maybe where he was performing in 2020. Um, and then Michael Brown Stevens can take another step up. Like you could have, you could have a pretty solid trio here. It's just not a, uh, from, from what I've seen so far, it's, it's not great. Um, and they don't have a lot of, they've only got eight scholarship players and uh, haven't really recruited the position very well, despite, you know, all the success that they've had in, in recent years. Yeah. Albert Bell clearly has some chemistry with Tanner Morgan, but he just, he doesn't get a lot of separation. Uh, so yeah, I don't know how much his numbers are going to improve other than just like having a higher volume this year because he was uh, out for a lot of last season. I'm a little bit surprised that Minnesota can't do a little bit better recruiting receivers. I mean, I, I get that it's Minnesota and that like geography and not having much history puts a cap on certain things. But like, you know, Rashad Bateman was such a superstar there and they got so much national attention, you know, the year that they were like legitimately good. Um, and PJ Flick's a receivers guy who at one point was like, you know, one of the hottest names in college football coaching. So I don't know. I mean, it, it maybe just goes to the point about like, <laughs> sometimes your recruiting is just capped, even if things are, are going in your favor, uh, which is why Michigan will, <laughs> my mic cuts off anyway. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff, Connor. Um, Purdue up next. Um, so Purdue has two receivers on this list, which is a little bit funky. Like we, we talked about, they, they were really ranked high in tight ends last week, um, but, or two weeks ago. Uh, but Oh, like they, they, they probably use more receivers than this, but just given the fact that they lost, they obviously lost bell and then they lost their, uh, their would be number one to an academic issue. Um, they're kind of in a weird situation. So they've got Brock Thompson, who was their wide receiver three last year. I am as the 12th best receiver overall. So pretty good. Um, he, uh, he was not targeted very much, but again, he was wide receiver three. So you wouldn't expect that. Um, he did catch 70, 70% of his targets for over 10 yards per reception um, and four touchdowns. Uh, he also did pretty well after the catch. So, you know, that's, that's a pretty good number one. Um, and then Charlie Jones, who was a transfer from Iowa. Um, he, uh, he was pretty good at Iowa. He was more of a, I think he was an all conference returner, um, mm -hmm. but he was also pretty good as a, as a receiver. Um, again, not targeted very much, but, you know, again, probably more of a slot where, and that's getting even less use at Iowa than it will at, at uh, Purdue. Um, but caught a lot of them uh, for over nine yards per target and uh, three touchdowns. Um, so, you know, this isn't great, uh, but I'm kind of trusting Purdue a little bit here um, because they've done a really good job developing receivers. They also brought, they're actually returning over a hundred percent per my uh, calculations because, they have um, basically like they brought in more from the transfer portal than they lost, um, which is crazy to think about. But, you know, it's 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 not a, like a bad situation to be in. They've got 12 scholarship players. Um, they haven't recruited very well, but it's Purdue. You wouldn't really expect them to. Um, I, I think overall, like I'm trusting Purdue a little bit to outperform where I have them right now just because of, you know, what they've done in recent years. Yeah, I mean, as far as like, schools we've covered so far um they're the one that i feel like production at the end of this year will probably be higher than they're ranking on this list they you know like for instance i think michigan has more talent in their receivers room than purdue does but like who's gonna put up the bigger numbers this year uh, probably the boilermakers so yeah yep um moving on up here we've got uh nebraska 
uh, Nebraska, number six. Um, so again, yet another rankings where Nebraska comes out looking okay and is going to make me look uh, really silly by the end of the year. Um, wide receiver one I have is Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. Uh, he graded out really well for, for PFF last year. He was targeted over 25% of the time, so he's getting open a ton. Um, unfortunately, did not catch. He kept, caught less than half of them, which is really what's keeping him uh, lower on this list. Um, <clears throat> sorry, uh, and didn't really, you know, he had under seven or under eight yards per target. Um, did catch four touchdowns. This is kind of like a you're sort of trusting a little bit. I have him as the 13th best receiver in the league, by the way. Um, he's getting open a lot, and that's a good thing. Um, and putting up like good num good like raw numbers, but he's not efficient enough to really push him like up into like truly good receivers. Um, this is a little bit speculative. Like I'm trusting him to get better, maybe, <laughs> but it's it, it's not overly impressive for sure. Um, Omar Manning, there's the wide receiver too. I have him at the 19th best receiver in the league. Um, again, graded out pretty well per PFF. Uh, was not targeted a ton, but actually caught a lot more of those. Um, he caught 75, almost 75% of his targets for over 10 yards per target. Um, so, you know, pretty good overall efficiency numbers, although on lower volume. And then wide receiver three, Trey Palmer. Um, he, I have him as the 22nd best receiver in the league. Uh, and I think that um, the best thing that can be said is that he's targeted a good amount and catches a lot of them, but uh, for, you know, about seven yards per target, which isn't great. Um, you know, overall, like there's nobody that's like a true dominant wide receiver one here for Nebraska, but when you've got the 13th, 19th and 22nd, like that's a pretty good, like middle of the road group. Um, I think that it could also improve a little bit if we have, if, if, uh, Casey, um, Thompson is, is an upgrade over, uh, Adrian Martinez. Adrian Martinez. Yeah, Boy, no. I, 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 I would always... hope so <laughs> in the passing <laughs> <Yeah>. department. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, you know what it is with Adrian Martinez? I always want to say Taylor Martinez. Yes, one hundred percent of the time. Everyone does. It's yeah. it's crazy. It's it's crazy. Like in terms of like uh, the actual caliber of player versus how much of an imprint they've left in my mind. Taylor Martinez has got to be number one. I just I cannot get that guy. It, it really does that not help that they head. are like similar quarterbacks. <laughs> yes, absolutely, oh, yeah. absolutely. I just want to say, um, like, if, if the, what we're what we're learning from this, I say this every episode. I'm going to say it again. Like, if Nebraska ever learns to like field a punt, they're going to win eight games. Like, I'm not sure <laughs> if they can do that, but like, that's all it's going to take. <laughs> um, speaking of Nebraska, we are as always brought to you by Home Field Apparel. Uh, it is Nebraska week in in Big News Saturday season four. Uh, we don't have jokes. We didn't. We didn't just spend time poking fun at Nebraska. We would never uh, be smart. It's a storied football program. And uh, yeah, uh, use the promo code bucket problem for 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. The Washington Cougars drop last week uh, as anticipated was pretty tremendous. Um, and again, Nebraska coming out this week, I would normally be uh, pretty opposed to buying uh, gear from a school that uh I grew up hating because of the split national title, uh, but I have seen uh, uh, some of the ways that they've used corn in the in in the mascot uh, depictions, and I and I think I have to maybe buy a Nebraska shirt, and that's something I uh, had never anticipated doing. But um, here we are. 
Um, we are also brought to you by PointsBet. PointsBet, download the PointsBet app and use the promo code BUCKETPROB to get 100% of your deposit matched up to $1,000 in the form of free bets. To get that bonus, you must use the pro- promo code BUCKETPROB. That is bucket, P-R-O-B, all one word. Please gamble responsibly, set limits, avoid chasing losses, never bet what you can't afford to lose, take breaks when you need it, and use the self-exclusion feature to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, um, much like how it should have ended in both polls in 1997, Michigan is one spot above Nebraska here. <laughs> nice. Let's go, Ace. Absolutely got killing jokes. it today. That's good, yeah. Uh, Michigan, one spot above, above uh, Nebraska. Um, I have uh, number one Cornelius Johnson as the ninth best receiver in the league. Um, Cornelius Johnson, uh, just solid across the board, like did not really stand out in one area, but was not bad at anything either. Um, graded out pretty well. Uh, was targeted a little bit less than you would want. Um, but again, like that's because every, you know, third target goes to like a tight end or a fullback at Michigan. Um, he caught a good amount of them for about o- almost 10 yards per target, uh, three touchdowns, which is a, a little bit less than average, but you know, it's, it's not bad. Um, again, like basically, you know, I had these color coded and basically everything uh, for Cornelius Johnson is like a very light shade of either green or red. Um, and when you're average at everything, you know, you're the Cade McNamara of wide receivers. And that's pretty good in the big 10. Um, number two here, I have Roman Wilson. Um, again, look, I know like this is a Michigan podcast. Everyone's going to start yelling at me about like Andre Anthony and blah, blah, blah. But like, yes, these yes, are the they two. Are. <laughs> yeah. And that's fine. I ha- I'm, I'm taking that into account in like the total talent overall, but I'm look Roman Wilson. Uh, he, he graded out pretty well. The, the biggest thing holding him back is like it was on low volume because you get hurt in the middle of the year, but he also was getting Michigan open. never passed. <laughs> yeah. Michigan yeah. never passed and he was hurt. Um, so he, he was targeted a good amount. He caught uh, over about 65% of them for almost 11 yards per target. Um, so more of a downfield threat, but again, like neither one of these receivers really stand out in one area. And I, oh, by the way, Roman Wilson, I have the 16th best receiver in the league. Um, so Again, like there's no one stat here that's really standing out for either of Michigan's, you know, top two receivers. Um, Michigan has recruited this position really, really well. Um, they have 11 scholarship players. They have the second best, you know, like overall talent in the league besides Ohio State. Um, but like, again, you know, they don't use this position very much. Uh, and they I have no doubt that there's guys on Michigan's roster that could be more dominant if they were, um, you know, if they were utilized more, but until I see that, like we had, look, we had Nico Collins on this roster, uh, and he, you know, probably got less targets than Luke, uh, not Luke Shoemaker, whoever the Luke Shoemaker was at the time. Um, Jack Gentry? uh, Zach, no, no and it wasn't Jack. <laughs> no, my God. It was, no, we're Sean missing, we're missing one of the white tight. Sean McCune, McCune, yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All the these endless. white tight ends. We <laughs> Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways. Cowboy. Yeah, no, and he's doing he's doing great. That's awesome for him. Um, but you know, look, the point being, Michigan's got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of upside here, and I understand like Andre Anthony, blah blah blah. Um, <laughs> I the, the, but you you look at the four teams ahead of them, and I've I've really got to be honest. Like, I think I would be being an enormous homer if I put them above any of the four teams ahead of them. Well, okay, particularly I, when you're looking at like number one receivers, I think um, like that that is mostly what's holding Michigan back is that if you want to break into like the top few teams in the big 10 in terms of receiver rooms, like 
you kind of want that guy who you know is going to be a true number one. And I don't think Cornelius Johnson's quite there yet. No, I mean, Michigan, I, I, Michigan I, fans don't necessarily think so because they want Andrew Anthony to be number one. <laughs> you know, or Ronnie Bell. I mean, I think the thing like that yeah. I would say for Michigan is like, you That's know, also Ronnie, true. Ronnie Bell's coming back. Like we know he's good. I don't know like where his, you know, um, stats from two seasons ago would have been in these rankings, probably pretty solid. Um, Andrew Anthony, I do. I'm a big believer in him. Dan has already blah, blah, blah him. But I, uh, you know, I think Spartan fans, if they're being honest with themselves, are still sad about that one. Um, but I, I mean, I'm not going to be a, a douche about this. Like I was teasing Dan that I was going <laughs> to tear apart his careful work with my, my sort of uh, obnoxious feelings, but I'm not really going to because I think it all makes sense. I do think, though, that Michigan has a ton of talent in their receiver room and that major caveat, if utilized well, and especially if J.J. McCarthy is the quarterback and, like, the offense takes a step forward in terms of, you know, innovation and modernity, um, that this receiver room will Yeah, yeah, dude, if those things happen, for sure. (laughs) I'm just saying, like... Oh, dude, absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's just like when Nebraska learns to field a punt and they'll, you know, go to, like, a... Dude, just just wait until Ben Simmons starts making threes. Like, um, (laughs) it's going to be crazy. No, I mean, that's a totally fair response. I think that, like, Michigan has a very reasonable shot to finish, like, better than fifth in the Big Ten. Um, I think that's, like you know, kind of hard to argue against given that like just the, the sheer volume of talent in the receiver room is as Dan said, second in the league in recruiting rankings and, and also like very high up there in terms of like proving it on the field. Once you add Ronnie Bell back into the mix. Right. Too. So, you know, I mean, that's my defense of the receivers room. I don't think that it's like inappropriate for Dan to do this methodology and point out that like, you know, we, that, that there are good receiver rooms in the big 10 and like Michigan probably looks like the fifth best one, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know. I think this is a great year for the receiver room, and I am hopeful. That's where I'm landing on that. I'm excited for this entire argument to devolve and you guys just yelling blah, blah, blah at each other. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing here is is Ronnie Bell. Like, if he comes back and is like, is what he was looking like when, you know, before he went out in the Western Michigan game, we could be talking a whole different ball game. But like, as of right now, like there is no one that's, there's no true dominant number one that's moving Michigan past any of these four teams ahead of them. Um, so the first team that we're going to talk about ahead of them, Michigan state, who I have at number four, um, I, uh, you know, again, I, I big, big Michigan state Homer over here. I want to want to hate them, but I think they've got two really good receivers here. Um, Jaden Reed, I have is the second best receiver overall in the league. Um, he's really good. Um, he graded out tremendously. Uh, he obviously played a ton. He got targeted 25% of the time when he was on the field, which is a huge share um, so he was getting open a ton, only caught about 60% of them. Um, but he made like huge plays when he caught the ball, um, had over a thousand yards. He had over 10 yards per target. He had 10 touchdowns. Um, and, uh, he did, a, he did pretty well after the catch as well. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy that was really, really good on huge, huge volume. Um, I think Jaden Reed is the second best returning receiver in the league. Um, and then the second guy you're talking about here is Trey Mosley. Trey Mosley, I have is the seventh best receiver in the league. Um, he also graded out pretty well. Uh, he was not targeted as much, but again, that's because a ton of those targets are going to Jaden Reed. Um, but he caught 71% of his targets for o- almost 11 yards per target, actually higher than Jaden Reed. Um, only caught three touchdowns, but uh, was pretty good after the catch as well. So like, you know, this is a really good one-two bunch. Um, I mean, I, I think if, I think that, uh, you know, you, you've got a guy in Jaden Reed that's going to be a tough matchup for any cornerback in the league. 
Um, and then you got a guy in Trey Mosley who can punish the second best cornerback on your team. So uh, I think, I think this is a really good receiver room um, in terms of like overall talent, Michigan state uh, is actually okay. Uh, they've got 10, 10 scholarship players and they've recruited the position like thoroughly. Okay. Um, which is a lot better than where it was, honestly, when, uh, when Mel Tucker took over. Um, so there's guys that could potentially step up behind these two as well. But I think just on the strength of Jaden Reed and then, and then having, you know, one of the better wide receiver twos in the league, they're, they're in a pretty good spot at number four. I mean, that's all true, Dan. I think that you forgot to add in the crucial variable that Michigan State sucks and Michigan rocks. <laughs> and that's why Michigan should be higher on the list. I think we can agree on that. Yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. That's, I, I that's just that's wanted totally to make sure fair. that everybody remembered. Um, did you know that Jaden Reed played uh, growing up with Peyton Thorne? Uh, is everybody aware of that? <laughs> I hadn't aware. heard that. Wow. It's almost like they have like a connection going back to Pee Wee football that you can see come out when they make clutch plays together. Is that I wonder if there is? are any photos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, moving up the rankings. Number three, Maryland. Um, so... Maryland uh, has just a really good receiver room. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett, I have as the fifth best receiver in the league. Um, graded out really well, targeted a ton, um, caught a ton of those targets, converted them for almost 10 yards per target, um, caught five touchdowns, was really good after the catch. I mean, a really just overall, a really, really solid receiver. Maybe not as dominant as, um, you know, he has the potential to be. I think he was like a high, he was like a five-star, or high mm-hmm. four-star receiver. He was a five-star. Um, but like you really can't argue with any of it. Like being this consistently good on high volume is, is really, really good. Um, then I've got Dante Demas, who uh, I think missed a lot of time last year, but I was the sixth best receiver in the league. I'm adjusting him up pretty high. Um, you know, he had, he, he did miss a lot of the season, but um, what he put out there was so good. I mean, he was playing against lesser competition, but he uh, graded out really well. He was targeted a ton caught almost 80% of his targets, which is crazy. Even if you're playing against like air um, and uh, had 14 yards per target, which I think is the highest in the league besides, um, you know, a, a player that we might spend some time talking about later. Um, he also had almost 10 yards after catch per reception, which is uh, another just really mind boggling stat. Even again, even if you're playing against lesser competition. So um, I, I, he'd be even higher if he played the whole year. Um, but as of right now, I have him at number six. And then I have at number eight, um, Jacob Copeland, who is a transfer from Florida. Um, he uh, got a lot of playing time, was targeted a good amount, caught caught the ball at a good rate, um, and converted it at over 10 yards per reception and uh, four touchdowns. And he's doing that at Florida. So, you know, it's not like he was facing bad competition. Um, so, again, like Maryland's got three receivers in the top uh, top eight. Um, which is, you know, really, really solid depth. And they've got the potential to even get higher if, um, if Rakeem Jarrett or Dante Demas or, you know, super highly rated recruits could, you know, step up to that level of being a truly dominant receiver. Um, they've also, you know, they don't have a lot of scholarship players, but they have recruited this position really, really well. They have the highest average rating of any school besides, um, besides Ohio State, uh, according to 247. So, yeah, I mean, this is a really solid receiver room. Um, I think that's – that's when healthy, that's three options that are going to be pretty tough to deal with for anyone in the league. Um, they've got a, a good – a good Connor, are you listening? Uh, Ace, are you listening? Quarterback throwing <laughs> them the ball. Um, so, yeah, I think this could be a really, really explosive uh, passing offense. I think Maryland could – look, they're clearly not going to, like, actually win games, but they could lose some pretty high-scoring ones. 
I mean, I think that given that their quarterback is significantly better than Cade McNamara, they're going to put a real scare into Michigan with those receivers <laughs> this year. Is that fair to say? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to be rooting for Maryland in that game. Honestly, I'm going to that game too. Uh, so yeah, Dan's going to awesome. be there draped in the Maryland state flag. Oh, you you already know. You already know. I love that flag. It's such a good flag. He's going to like have his um, own crab that he brought into the stadium somehow. <laughs> My my own old bay sauce, um, putting it on everything. Uh, moving on up the list, number two. This is one of the more surprising ones, but um, I feel like uh, I feel like it's pretty warranted. Penn State. Um, Penn State's got a really good. Penn State really upgraded their position uh, group through the transfer portal. Mitchell Tinsley, who is a transfer from Western Kentucky, I have him as the third best receiver in the league, um, which I know is going to make some people a little bit upset, given that he's a transfer from a lesser program. Um, but when you see what he did, like even in uh, an air raid offense on, you know, in a lesser league, um, he was targeted, he had 121 targets. He caught 70% of them for 1400 yards, um, over 11 yards per target, uh, and 14 touchdowns. I mean, that's, those are like really crazy production numbers. Um, and I think that like, I even maybe was going to have him at second in the league, but I think like. Once you discount for the fact that he's going to be playing a lot tougher co- competition, he's not going to be as dominant, but I think he could be really, really good. And I think we've seen like the test case for this is kind of Jaden Reed who, you know, came from dominating at Western Michigan and pretty much translated it right over to the big 10. Like, I don't think there's as much of a gap in terms of like, look, his numbers are going to go down, but I think that like talented receivers, um, do translate across leagues like we have seen like receivers transfer up from lower leagues and be really really effective um in in higher leagues so this might be a little bit aggressive of me but um yeah i've got him as the third best receiver um i also have penn state with the fourth best receiver and parker washington who uh i was surprised by this but he graded out really well for, for per pff um he was targeted a lot i mean he was actually only targeted 20 percent of the time but uh, Jahan Dotson was soaking up a lot of those. He caught 74% of them for almost nine yards per target. Um, and he was pretty good after the catch. So really just solid production numbers overall. Um, and, you know, just a really efficient receiver. Um, again, I think the top like two or three receivers in the big 10 are probably in a different league than everyone else, but this is a really solid, um, you know, uh, this is the best wide receiver too, that anyone has in the league. Um, and then at number three, I've got Keandre Lambert Smith, who I have as the bet, the 11th best receiver in the league. Um, this is basically Keandre Lambert Smith was not terribly efficient, um, but he did have some pretty good, like raw production numbers. I don't feel great about like this pick overall. I kept like moving him down and moving him down further than where he was initially um, because his, his efficiency numbers aren't great, but he, he, in terms of being like, um, a screen guy, which is really all you want your wide receiver three to be. He did have um, over eight yards after contact per reception or yards after catch per reception. So pretty good numbers, like a guy that's shifty when he gets the ball in his hands. And when you've got a solid number one and two, um, that's really all you need. So again, like Penn state, they've recruited this mission really, really well. 11 scholarships, um, basically averaging a four, a four star on those 11 scholarships. Um, and have the third, fourth, and eleventh best receiver in the league. Like, I think this is good for uh, good for the second best um, wide receiver group in in the league coming into the year. 
Yeah, these guys are going to run some incredible routes and shed their defenders <laughs> while Sean Clifford is like running 17 yards backwards for his life. <laughs> and look, and that's why we, and Connor, and that's why we had a different conversation about the Penn State offensive line. So that's, that, that's the thing. Like those are different position groups. You know, I don't know what that's, to tell you. I, I'm starting to realize this after we've done five position groups, that they are in fact different like roles on the field. So I'm, I'm getting that yeah, slowly. That's the thing. It's like when you put the team together, it's different. But like when you're talking about individual players, that's, that's another thing. This is an educational podcast where, where yeah. Yeah. And, and that includes, you know, educating ourselves. Dan is explaining football to a guy who went to a basketball school and then went overseas for grad school. That's what this podcast is really all mm-hmm. about. Yeah. A, a basketball school and a Quidditch school. <laughs> um, one of my best friends is on the Quidditch team. I will not have your guff over that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. You should listen to yourself sometimes. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, okay. Again, once again, for the what feels like the billionth week in a row, um, the fun is over. Uh, we are about to talk to Ohio, about Ohio State. Um, it could be argued that I'm seriously underrating Ohio State because uh, this is it's kind of funky the way we had to do this. Um, so let's talk about the the number one guy first here. Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, is just like with a bullet, the best receiver in, in the in the uh, league coming back. Um, had the highest grade for PFF, uh, was targeted 27% of the time when he was on the field, which is impressive when you consider that he was on the field with two, uh, uh, two first round receivers. Um, it, and he I wasn't mean, just, even receiving. Yeah, no fun. No fun at all. He caught uh, 85% of them, which I think is the highest rate in the league. Um, he had over 1,500 yards. He had 14 yards per target and nine touchdowns. Um, he was also great after the catch, really, really shifty with eight yards after the catch per reception. Um, I mean, the only bad thing you can say about him is that he he his average depth of target was really shallow. Um, he was working out of the slot a lot, so we'll see if some of these numbers come down um, if he's the number forced to be like the number one guy. Probably not. I don't think they will. Uh, probably not. He's probably really good. Um, so now we're going to like talk about two things that I'm really annoyed about because it's going to make me feel real. It's going to make me look really bad by the end of the year. First of all, Marvin Harrison. Really, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Be really careful with that name. <laughs> Marvin Harris. Oh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Yes. Right. I thought you were talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, <laughs> Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, is uh, I guess they're blowing. I have is the, <laughs> <laughs> is uh, the the 29th best receiver in in the league per like my rankings right now, and that's gonna look bad because I know he's really good. Um, so I'm just gonna like blow through this. Like he didn't. Here's the thing. Okay, his his production numbers aren't great because he obviously was behind. Like he was wide receiver four last year, and uh, maybe arguably like wide receiver five depending on the game. But he also like he didn't grade out that well. He wasn't targeted very much when he was on the field. Um, he caught almost 70%, which is great, but like he didn't do that much with them. I mean, he 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 did have three touchdowns, which is a really good number, um, but like was not doing much after the catch, uh, was not like terribly efficient per target and was not getting open that much. Um, I expect him to be like one of the best receivers in the league, honestly, like, but I'm just like, if I'm trying to do this objectively, like there's nothing here that's screaming like, oh, you got to project this guy up into like, you know, the top like four or five receivers, even though I just know that's where he's going to be. And I'm going to be really annoyed about it. Um, Julian Fleming, I have the 33rd best receiver. Honestly, guys, like this, this is another one where he was Same even story. less uh, <laughs> efficient. Like he didn't get that many targets. He only he had under five yards per target, which is actually really bad. So maybe Ju- Julian Fleming maybe actually could be bad. Let's, let's hold out hope for that. I, I'm going to doubt it because he's a five star. Um, but like, 
you know, it's, it's, he didn't get many targets. He was a wide receiver five. Um, he's going to be wide receiver three this year. I'm sure he's going to be very good. I'm annoyed that I have Ohio state with the 29th and 33rd best receivers in this list, but I feel like given what they've done thus far in their career, it's, it's fair. Um, the reason I've got Ohio state overall number one is because I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not an idiot. I, I know, I know it's going to yeah. happen here. And I mean, uh, it, it's, it's just like, they, they literally, they've, they only have eight scholarship players, which is a little bit weird, but weird. they're, li- they literally average a five-star. Like it's their average is almost a 97, which is about a five-star. Um, these guys are going to be really, really good. Even though I have these guys ranked really low. Um, and even if I didn't Jackson Smith and Jigba is your number one is like enough to get you to number one. Um, I feel annoyed that I have their wide receiver and wide receiver two and three ranked so low, but you know, we all know what's going to happen. Like Ohio state is going to have the best receiver room in the league, even if the the wide receiver two and wide receiver three aren't like world beaters, Jackson Smith and Jigba as your number one is enough to be like an absolute terror. Um, and they've also got the best quarterback in the league throwing them the ball. Yeah. I don't think that anyone over the last like five years has recruited any position as well as Ohio state has recruited receiver. Like seriously, I mean, they're, they're outdoing Bama by a significant margin, I think. Um, and I think it's worth like it's worth re- revisiting that um, the one single position group that pretty much single handedly kept last year's Michigan Ohio State game from being what could very well have been like a 35 point blowout was the receivers, because if they don't make like three or four of the most ridiculous circus catches I've ever seen in college football, like that game gets out of hand in a way that it didn't quite get to. Um and I think there's no reason to expect that we're not going to see more of that, not least because Jackson Smith and Jigba was part of that and he's coming back. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it really sucks. It's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Now that we've gone through all 14 groups of receivers, is there anything that kind of stands out in terms of teams that could move up, teams that could move down? Uh, who do we see as kind of the big potential movers on this list? Yeah, I mean, I think Michigan can move up in a big way. You know, they, they've got a lot of talent here, but I'm just not going to like – I'm not going to play this game because I, Michigan doesn't use their receivers, and they just have it under Harbaugh, and I don't expect that to change this year. And Michigan could have a very good, you know, um, a, better, a very good offense without really utilizing their receivers in that way, but they've never had, like, a dominant number one receiver ever um, for more than, like, one game. Okay, um, uh, ever, ever, let's, uh, those of us who are old here, like, we're just going to start. <laughs> under Harbaugh, under oh, okay, Harbaugh. Okay, okay, I mean, yeah, all know. right, fair enough. So, uh, Nebraska, I could see moving up. I think they've got a lot of talent. Um, they've got a lot of guys that were, like, middle of the pack. You could see those guys move up. Um, other than that, I mean, I think that, I think Maryland could move up to number two instead of number three. Yeah. Um, I, I think that they, they, you know, I think I might be being a little bit, um, generous to Penn State now that I'm really going through it. Um, and I think Michigan State could maybe like if they find a third guy, they could really be in business as well. Um, the top of the league, I mean, like Ohio State, Penn State, Maryland, Michigan State. Unfortunately, I'd probably draw the line there. Those oh, are some I was pretty gonna good draw the line after rooms. Michigan. I, w- I would say those five, yeah, like anyone two yeah, Mich- five it- has the chance to finish second, in my opinion. <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah, right behind Ohio State. Yeah, no yeah, one really. Has a chance to go Obviously, out. no one's touching Ohio State, but any one of those Penn State, Maryland, Michigan State, or Michigan could all finish with the second best receiving room in the league. I don't think that's the case for any of the six through fourteen teams. I, I don't think Nebraska is going to compete for the number two room in the league here. No, it's no, the Larry. Yeah, you're it's the Larry Bird. 
at the you know the three point shooting contest going around trying to figure out who's going to finish second, right? Yes, um, unfortunately that. Unfortunately, is... yeah. I mean, hey, Maryland at number two, I could see that their quarterback play is just that good. Um, as I've heard from a site called thefuckerproblem.com. <laughs> um, but uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think I, I mean, I, I think in terms of like raw production, I think Purdue has a chance to move up just because like you know they are a pass heavy offense. They do, they actually do have a really really good quarterback. Um, and, you know, I could see them putting up bigger numbers than some of these schools that are ahead of them. But, uh, I, you know, I think Michigan has a real puncher's chance. But, like, that's why Dan made fun of me when I said, like, if the offense takes a step forward. And, like, I think I think the, the case against that is not just that, you know, Harbaugh is who he is. I think it's also that, like, frankly, I expect Donovan Edwards to steal a lot of targets from receivers, for yeah. instance. Um, and I know, I know the tight ends. I mean, we have two like very good upperclassmen tight ends. They're going to steal targets. So like just the raw number of targets that will be available, um, will be a big barrier for Michigan. Yeah. I mean, you're also talking about, yeah. I mean, it's like, Don, you know, Donovan Edwards is going to get a ton of targets. Like, you know, Blake Corm is going to get a ton of targets. Like, it's just not, it's not an offense built for dominant receivers. Like we do, we don't do much of the, Hey, just go up and make a play. Like that's, that's why Penn state honestly is like ahead of us is, they let their receivers go out there and make plays. And look, we had a better offense than Penn State last year. So I'm maybe I'm just like being ornery. Um, but you know, yeah, it's it's just never been like a feature receiver. Literally, Andre Anthony in the Michigan State game was the first time I'd ever seen us like do the whole feature receiver game uh, type thing. Like, please God, someone give Darius Clemens a giant NIL bag. I, I just said that word again, <laughs> a giant bag of some kind uh, immediately, because like what Dan's saying is totally true. And we've got to hang on to the talent in that receiver room somehow. <laughs> it's actually that's that is one thing I think I've taken away. Like it's bananas that we didn't lose a transfer. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> like, I, I got to I got to yeah. say, I, I, like, yeah. I'm honestly like I'm, I'm, I'm like questioning some of these guys like you know, I was like, you do like want to, you know, play in the NFL, right? Cause you're going to get seven targets all year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, none of the players listen to this podcast, so it's okay. <laughs> and I'm just uh, imagining like Joel Honigford is our one listener and he like gets a tear in his eye every time we make fun of him. I'm sorry, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Joel, we do love you. You, you throw great blocks, it. man. Yeah. <laughs> um, That seems like a good place to, to bow out here. Um, This has been, uh, the bucket problem. You can follow us at bucket problem on Twitter. Uh, please go to the bucketproblem.com and subscribe to the newsletter, uh, rate review and subscribe to this year. Free podcast. Uh, use the promo code bucket problem at homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code bucket prob on points, bet. thanks for listening and have a great week.